Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of How We Get By. I jumped across the pond again, and I spoke with a woman named Amy from the UK who has a few chronic illnesses and sat down for me and was very candid about the things that she goes through. Um, We talked a lot about the similarities and differences between the UK and the United States, Uh, talked about COVID a lot, really cool conversation. I super enjoyed it as always. Um, Before we get started, I just want to get a little bit of a disclaimer. In this show, we do talk about mental health. We talk about serious topics, adult topics, and we curse. Um, It's been a great space for people to open up about the things that they struggle with. Opening up about things that we struggle with isn't easy, so if you are listening to the show, I just ask that you have the intention of really having an open mind and hearing people's stories and accepting them for who they are uh, rather than who we wish they would be. My intention for the show is to open up conversations regarding mental health, good, bad, ugly. Um, I ask that we can do this with an open mind and allow the people who are brave enough to share their stories to feel good about it and um, to celebrate them for what they go through and how they get by. With that being said, let's get into the show. Pick up, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. My name's Monica and you're Amy, right? Yeah. Very nice to meet you. Thank you for... um, (laughs) Thanks for doing this. I know it's like has to be completely out of your comfort zone. So I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. No, it's good for the opportunity. Awesome. So I um I found you. You were one of the um people who chose to participate by I just reached out to you on Instagram and I just kind of looked at your posts and I saw that um I think what is your name? Is it uh Chronic Mama? Yeah, Chronic Mama. So yeah. Okay, cool. So before we get into that, do you want to, um, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself? You could say as much or as little as you want. Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm Amy. I'm from the UK. So from across mm-hmm. the pool, if we call it. Um, I'm, I'm loving your accent. So. Oh, no, I don't sound stereotypically British, do I? <laughs> <laughs> you sound awesome. I don't know what exactly. And it's funny now because you'll be the second person from the UK that I was fortunate to interview uh and I don't know I just am a huge accent fan I I can't say it any other way so yeah so I'm Amy (laughs) from the UK across the pond um I'm a mom I have a part-time job you know um just to live a crazy sort of life um but I set up my Instagram account chronic mama to sort of spread the word about um the chronic illnesses I suffer and um the mental health issues that I suffer and just kind of reach out to people and say you know we're not alone um Mm -hmm. and just be real about it all because it's not a glamorous life (laughs) Instagram's so um good at portraying everybody's um kind of best side of their life and the perfect side of their life and you know there's me kind of <laughs> belly out on a hospital bed with a heart monitor on or you know 
whatever that that's the truth so that's Absolutely. kind of uh, well, it's not easy to share your story on Instagram. Uh, so, you know, you're right about social media. It's like, um, and I, I talk a lot about this in a lot of my episodes, but, you know, it's just we're, I don't know, I we're so addicted to it or like so connected to it. And for me with um, like COVID, I don't have a lot of social interaction. So that is kind of my social interaction, but there, it's just a double-edged sword because you have you know, the good aspect of being in touch with people and the other aspect of like, well, like you said, like some of these things I in my life isn't that glamorous. Um, so I guess like, how do you kind of handle that? Like, what what is your take? Like, I know you definitely post about it. So what was your um, motivation for taking on that project, I suppose? I guess from my um, point of view, a lot of like, <laughs> People looking in on me see me playing with my child or going to the farm with her and just think she's okay what she what is she on about you know um, because they don't see that other side so I I kind of wanted to raise the awareness that you know um, not everything is visible um, you know there's um, kind of invisible disabilities um, people might not wear their mental health issues on their sleeve so it it's just yes. about be real and be like, you know, you you see the best side of me most of the time. You don't see when I can't get out of bed or um, when I'm in absolute tears over the most minuscule thing. So, um, yeah, it's just about raising awareness, really. Definitely. Did you want to um, speak about some of the um, like silent? How do you chronic illnesses that you have? Yeah, definitely. So um, I could I could reel off a list and then uh, we can focus more on the mental health side because I know that's the um, main um, kind of point of your podcast, which is amazing. So, um, I suffer from celiac disease, endometriosis, fibromyalgia, hypermobility, um, spectrum disorder. Um, so that's to name a few, really. And um, <laughs> part of the impact on all of these is kind of the anxiety the stress the depression that comes with it so whilst there's some very physical um things to these illnesses everyone overlooks that sort of um other side the mental health side that comes with those illnesses i would say so and those are some uh serious you know illnesses so uh from what i know about them and you can tell me um maybe some of like the key um, symptoms that you really struggle with, but I just I, automatically, I'm personally thinking just a lot of pain. Um, yeah. So uh, is that basically managing your pain is a lot? I mean, um, and I guess I, you can speak about the symptoms, but I also am wondering how you mentally, what you have to do with yourself in those moments, because I don't have celiacs, I have stomach issues and I, they're, it's nowhere near what you have. Um, and so for me, even just like a half hour of pain, it's like I've had to get myself almost into a meditative state mm -hmm. um, of being like, I have to allow the pain to happen and I have to let it just flow through me. And so I don't know, did you want to speak to that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So chronic pain is kind of a massive part of all of those conditions. Um, not knowing when you're going to be in pain, not knowing how long for, not knowing where exactly in your body the pain's going to come from. I'm on some pretty strong pain meds every day and I still suffer pain. So it's really about, for me, managing myself. You know, there's so many expectations. You can go out, you can, you know, you need to do 12 hour days, all of this. And I can't do that. And I was always one of those people that would really push myself to try and do that. And it's not possible. Um, and it's finding the new normal for me and being kind of proud to say that I can't do it rather than embarrassed um, and shy. I mean, I've lost so many friendships because they can't understand and, um, you know, why can't I go out after 7 p.m. at night? Why am I in pajamas having a cup of tea? Um, so it's about being really honest about it. And if they can't understand, well, I think now it's kind of not shame on them, but it's their loss now because I, I can't do any more than I already do. I try my best to be a friend, a partner, you know, a mother, an I do try my best and it's about kind of prioritizing those and doing what you can definitely and I feel you so much because I am I'm similar like I mean I have the mental like illness aspect of it and so you would say um you said like about going out late and stuff like I'm just, that's just not me or there's just days where you said like you just don't know when the day is going to come some days I'm having panic attacks and I can't just do, like carry through with the plans that I once thought I could um and there's a self-acceptance that has to come with that so it's kind of cool to hear you speak to that self-acceptance because I know it's not an, an easy way like it's not an easy journey to get there <laughs> And I think you mentioned in panic attacks, I mean, they are massive things in themselves. And for me, if I have a panic attack, that's sort of my day written off because I'm exhausted after a panic attack. Right? You kind of just need to ground yourself and just feel yeah. it as possible. So after sort of an episode, you don't want to go out and put yourself in the world where you're not really sure if it's going to happen again or exactly exactly does it was there like a certain point where you felt like you had to you know create that boundary um and if so is there a way you can kind of explain that the boundary I, what i mean by that is just the boundary between like what you can do and what you can't and what people expect of you because i think a lot of people struggle with that yeah so i mean I've suffered anxiety since the age of 17 um, and it was really bad at the age of 17 um, and I, I've had a few years where it's just been on and off um, and kind of coming back to it now I'm in a real state and height of anxiety and I'm now 25 so this is kind of an eight-year battle and it's still going on um, mm -hmm. but for, for me I used to push myself but now having my daughter, that's what's made me really prioritize everything. I have to be there for my daughter. Um, and my partner's really good at helping me kind of prioritize everything where she comes first and everything else comes around to that. So I know, you know, as much as it's lovely to go for meals with friends or um, 
whatever else normal people do I can't always do that because my priority now is my daughter and my family so it's about really focusing on that priority yeah uh, so can you speak to I mean I'm so happy that you have a daughter and I'm happy you know that there's so much love there that's amazing to hear so um, that's really nice and it's nice to hear somebody prioritizing their daughter and their family so uh, that's really great and um, I guess I would want to know if you um, like what is that like with a chronic illness though like what what is it like on the days that are hard or like how do you what do you do you just fight through or <laughs> that's the issue sometimes it's so impossible to fight through that I mean I can get through quite a lot of pain um, looking after my daughter and my partner obviously when he's not working does the fair share of that um, but my parents have been so supportive and so understanding that they're kind of our main help with that um, obviously I have little like things I do with my daughter so it doesn't require much movement you know set up a game for her to do and I can sort of sit there and play with her without having to overdo it um, she loves being outside and we're so lucky we have a garden that I can sit on the garden bench and she can play so oh, nice. there's sort of a lot of things I can do to sort of help myself um, get through the day but equally there are days you can't do it or um, there are days I worry that she might be um, bored and I'm not stimulating her enough so so as much as I feel so confident that there's things I put in place to sort of help me and my daughter out for the day also there's the other concern when you back to sort of social media when you know there's all these fabulous people creating great activities for their children or going to these great places I mean and I'm there like oh we're in the garden in the rain that's sort of right you can get to here I know I can relate to that I mean not in the way that you can I just feel that you know that is a lot of what the negative side of social media is because I mean yeah I mean it's so interesting and like right now I I don't feel capable of traveling and then you see a bunch of people traveling and you wonder but that's an added layer when you have another human that you are worried about their well-being so um what do you kind of do to you know manage that in your mind like is there a way that you've kind of thought to reframe it so it doesn't like if you feel comfortable even sharing that but I'm sure that you're not the only person out there who has that feeling um so I guess maybe like just even speaking this to somebody else to yeah so mum guilt is so real you see that phrase everywhere mum yeah. I feel the queen of that and um whilst I I guess I feel it quite deep down. I have my partner that reassures me, you know, I'm doing the best I can. He doesn't think I'm being lazy or, you know, thinks that I'm not stimulating my child enough. Um, and as well, it's just making things normal for her. I guess I'm lucky. She's at the age where she's only two. She doesn't know what her friends are doing day to day. Um, and, and I think kind of, we've, well, for me, it's made me more anxious. It's mm -hmm. made being at home a lot more. So it's it's good from that aspect. But 
I know, I know. But I think we're also in a crazy, you know, state of the world. I I was wondering how old she is because, um, you know, it's it's hard because I feel like there's a lot of kids around the world that aren't getting like stimulation right now because we're just home all the time. Uh, so it is difficult. I don't. I don't think you're alone now. I'm trying to think of like the right words to tell you because all I want to tell you is like, I feel like you're an amazing mother. I mean, I don't know. I don't feel like there's a lot of people who could deal with um, <laughs> multiple painful illnesses and not really always be able to handle them and still care so much and love their child. So I don't Thank know for what it's worth. That's how <laughs> I feel about it. <laughs> Thank you. It means a lot. I mean, lockdown with anxiety, illness, and a toddler is crazy. Have you ever tried to FaceTime one toddler with another toddler? It's just, <laughs> it's just. Oh my Lord, yeah. Like, it, How does that even work? I feel like they'll just take the phones and like, um, yeah, I think I you end up a lot of weird places when you're FaceTiming with a toddler. Like, I think I ended up in the stove one time. <laughs> Like, I think we got to find another adult to get me out of the stove. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that, but it's cool that you have a, so you have, you said you have a partner um, and that's amazing. And, and he seems to be really supportive. So um, did you want to talk a little bit about like the balance of like, is there, I imagine there would have to be a lot of communication on your part, like about how you're feeling and um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm really bad about speaking about my emotions um you do <laughs> kind of like it goes both ways like I'll yeah. talk about them here with you but in personal everyday life it's not that, so easy it's totally different and I mean my partner's really good at picking up sort of the signs of when I'm anxious um I have quite OCD tendencies when I'm anxious and the more anxious I get sort of the more um routines I have to follow and so he's quite good at recognizing, oh, you know, she's been really um, kind of weird about how she cleans the house or um, sort of the way she does like a bedtime routine or something. And he knows that's when I'm quite anxious from those sort of cues. So I'm quite good that I don't have to tell him, but then he will obviously ask and then we have to go through how I get out of that anxiety stage or what I can do. And also, medication as well let's talk about medication let's be real you know I take medications to try and manage my anxiety sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't I've had to swap out medication and currently I'm clearly on too low of a dose because I'm just constantly snapping at the moment I'm one of those um awful almost you know people to talk to with a real short kind of mind span and a <laughs> attention to detail I'm just there like I told you this ages ago why aren't you listening and mm -hmm. so there is that balance of you know patience I mean for the you know the partner of someone that suffers with a chronic illnesses or with mental health issues um hats off to them because <laughs> how they manage yeah, I mean, I think it's this aspect of like, um, I, I definitely notice like when I, my anxiety is high is like the shortness and um, the like snapping at people and I, I get irritable too. And that's such, that's one of the hardest symptoms I think to overcome. Like, I think that's the symptom that kind of creates the most, um, you know, the, that kind of makes you the most isolated because 
when I get like that, I know I'm like that. And so for me to talk to a partner then and say, like, I feel that way is like almost near impossible. So then to have like a partner bring it up, um, I just think that there's this aspect that's a very human aspect of like, I feel so vulnerable and I'm already on edge and now you're like talking to me about it. Yeah. And so then um, I think that one of the things I'm trying to work on in my, um, I don't have a partner, but like in shadow life, it's just like, I'm trying to figure out like, how do I handle that in the future when I do have one? Like, what do I do instead of, you know, it's hard. It's very hard. So I give you credit for being able to do that at all. <laughs> it's not, you know, I think every time there's that conversation about how I'm feeling, I just want to break down in tears. And that doesn't necessarily reflect the fact that I'm really sad. It might just be for whatever's going on in my brain or there's, like you said, there's that heightened vulnerability there, having to be so open about it. And I like to be closed and I always have been very close. I would just shut down when I was feeling very anxious or depressed. I would just shut down and kind of be quite quiet and be a shell, you know. I don't talk, I can't be snappy, I can't hurt anyone's feelings. And I've had to learn that's not necessarily the right thing to do, especially sort of in a family setting. So it, it's hard. and. I'm having to force myself to do this and and you know it's great that there's a trust in our relationship so that's helps but it's something completely different to what I might have done five six years ago so I'm still learning <laughs> well yeah but that's so cool though do you feel like it was worth it that you have been doing it anyway you know I think it helps a relationship to be able to talk about it. I think as soon as you're kind of, you shut down, you're quite closed off, that's probably not necessarily a helpful kind of thing. There's, you know, so yeah, you've got to talk about it. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's cool. That um, It's very insightful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I know that you said in your messages that um, did anyone mention anything about the typical English reaction of a stiff yeah. upper lip. Uh, no, and I'm now I'm super curious. So, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, America's quite a, um, a varied country, so um, everywhere's probably quite different. But here, you know, is there only recently we've all been saying, you know, it's okay not to be okay. Um, let's talk about it um people kind of expect you you know when it says oh how are you you just say fine and get on with it and if you're upset the most common phrase is have a cup of tea and that's not me, me joking that is a proper kind of reaction um and I used to get so upset at that have a cup of tea how dare you belittle my feelings to a cup of tea how is that going to help? Um, right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you, I'm frozen because you're a little frozen for me, but my face right now is like, wow. Yeah. I think, um, you know, talking about mental health issues is the way forward. And I think people feel so uncomfortable about doing that. And, uh, and on the other hand, I think people are uncomfortable about listening 
about these issues and hearing what maybe their friend or their colleague or whoever is going through um so yeah we're quite we're quite bad over here about being open and talking about emotions and not having the typical stiff upper lip um so yeah I don't know how you yeah it's interesting because um it's so so I I'll, I'll tell you my experience with that kind of thing in so in the United States is very a very interesting place like every place we all have our, um uh but what I I actually moved I live in the east um I live in Pennsylvania so that's in the eastern part of the country and I um where I'm from, we're pretty open about it. We're, we're like two hours outside of New York City and that's kind of how I base everything. Like I feel like um, New York City and like LA, but like New York City is definitely, like all the cities are pretty, like you could kind of find your own niche and like know that there are people who do talk about it. Um, and so there are p- places here where you can, by all means, it's not necessarily weird for me to talk so much about it, but I will say that there are definitely people in my life who are uncomfortable with how much I speak about it. Um, but now I believe here where I live in the East that people are like more open to talking about it and everyone's kind of like laying their like shit out for everyone to know. <laughs> um, and that's just how I was like raised almost. Um, and then I moved to the Midwest um, in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I had a very, very different experience. And it was actually um, when I was just first getting to know people I don't even know what I was talking about. It was like nothing to me. Like to me, it was just like, gee, like something I would tell like anyone. Like I, I was so confused. And I remember somebody like putting their arm up to me and just being like, yo, take a second. Like we're just getting to know each other here. Like we, we're just having fun. We don't need to like get into all of that. And I was like very taken aback. And I was like, wow. Um, and I did come to find that in, you know, that part of the country, it just wasn't as acceptable to speak about all of that stuff. Um, and so I honestly, I think it does really vary from place to place. Um, I can, I know that like, it's almost among the older generation, I think that doesn't really talk about their feelings as much. And now like our generation is like, that's all we talk about. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I'm interested. Like the UK is very interesting to me, but I don't, I don't. If 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 you don't want to talk about this, we don't have to. Um, but for me, like I'm just the whole like Meghan Markle and um, Prince <laughs> Harry. Like I we're I get updates on that. Like, and I know I'm interested in the royals, so maybe it's just like my phone like doing that. But I don't know. We hear more about them than we hear about like anything else. And I just wonder, like, there seems to be a mental health component there where they're trying to speak about that type of stuff. Um, and I don't know if it's just not going over well. I guess it's <laughs> such a, a really good example, probably, of the generational thing where the older generation's very stiff up and lit, don't air any dirty laundry, but also don't talk about your emotions. Um, so I think. Megan and Harry are amazing and I think they just want to you know raise as much awareness for all different types of kind of causes 
um, and sort of break away from the traditional royal family. Um, and I don't, I think, again, it's a generation thing. And also there's some sort of expectation that if you're part of the royal family, you only do certain things and talk about certain things and you do it in a certain manner. So, um, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, and it, it's so crazy to read that people don't like them or kind of disagree that they've moved away from the royal family and they shouldn't keep titles and stuff to me you know what they didn't choose well harry for sure didn't choose to be part of the royal family and let's have some you know respect for megan she she quit her life as an actress and living in america with her friends and stuff to move over to be with harry and try with the royal family so it's just crazy to me i i kind of like lost interest because for me why why do we care this much yeah i know that's how i feel too because i'm like getting the updates every day and it's like she said this and she said that and i don't know for me they just seem like two people trying to do good things for the world and i'm like hey like and that was kind of like a thing where I'm like, hey, I'll take that like piece. Um, I'll take that piece of the royal family. They can come over here. Like, um, so I don't know, but I feel bad because I, as somebody who speaks about mental health, and as you're saying though, like I think that is like a high level in a way. There's like a lot of like um, mental health not being discussed there, and I feel like that's one of the things they want to focus on, and it just seems really hard for them to do that. So. Um, I guess I could see how that would maybe fit into the culture that you're speaking of. Yeah, I guess um, there was a time, and I'm hoping it was, you know, hundreds of years ago, but I'm sure it's very recent that mental health is, um, you know, almost a negative and um, something not to be discussed. And and that's crazy. Everyone sort of suffers um, from some sort of issue or knows um someone that suffers from mental health issues and to all sort of hide that away and just talk about the weather or cups of tea or you know yeah I guess um yeah uh, so what so how do you feel like I mean do you feel like in your personal life like do you feel like you can you know have like a conversation like this with a lot of people or not really I mean it sort of depends on the person I think really I'm really you know lucky to have a partner in a close family that I can talk to and um some friends as you were saying though you would sort of talk about normal things in your life to friends that you're just getting to know and they'd be like hold on um we're only just getting to know each other let's just have fun it kind of is you know I'm only telling certain friends now who are like maybe kind of been my friend for 10 plus years that I've suffered from mental health issues for a good seven years it's, yeah it's it's an odd thing to talk about but also it's really nice to be quite free and open and to hear my friends be like actually I felt like that at times you know it kind of brings an extra level to that relationship um with your friends Definitely. And it, it inspires me like to hear every time I speak to somebody that has like a really supportive partner, because honestly, I'll be quite, quite honest. Uh, one of my biggest fears with the podcast is that 
I'm just never going to find a guy because they're going to listen to this and be like, hey, uh, no. Um, it's just an irrational fear, but that is the stigma of mental mental health. It's like when you put yourself out there, then that can become all somebody sees in you. Um, what you said a little bit earlier about how just crazy it is, I think it's absolutely insane um, that we'll talk about every type of health that we have yeah. so openly, um, and yet mental health is not and you know mental health doesn't always have to be bad it's just some it's a health that we need to manage so i would think the more that we talk about it the more we'd be able to manage it um and so for me i wanted to start the podcast because i just a lot of times in the u.s when mental health is brought up in the news or the media it's after something absolutely horrible happened and i just wonder if we had talked about things way before the horrible thing had to happen where we would be if we could have prevented it in some aspects. Definitely, I think you're so right. The news sort of only covers it um, when something horrible happens, like maybe someone murdered someone and they had some sort of men mental health issue. And then that's where a stigma comes from. And, and that's not true. There's, you know, thousands and thousands of people that suffer from mental health issues that have never done um, such cruel thing or a crime or anything like that right right I mean like you said um back to Prince Harry and Meghan they're trying to raise awareness in a positive way and that gets shut down so you know it's it's is it frustrating like you said you know um you break your leg everyone cares asks how you are kind of gives you that sort of um attention you need whilst you're in that recovery time and then you know you're suffering from a panic attack or uh, any sort of mental health issue and you know get on with it it's sort of the approach and that's that's not right you need time to process your emotions or kind of recover from a panic attack or you know just yeah. have cry, cry on or I feel like if somebody told me to have a cup of tea or like even put a cup of tea in front of like I don't I'm just like in my head I have a very strong <laughs> visualization of just like slamming the cup of tea across like against the wall and I don't think that I, that would be re like received very well but <laughs> but then you know why should we drink yeah it is better <laughs> yeah that's so tough um so is it like customary? Like, is that is that really like to have tea every day? Well, I think most people in Britain probably do have cups of tea or coffee every day. <laughs> yeah, I like hot drinks though. So that's that's really weird to me. And there's a few people in the office that don't like hot beverages and. That's crazy. <laughs> I have I have coffee all day, every day. And if I don't have coffee, I have tea. But, you know, we, I just think there's so much more of a, um, like, custom around. Yeah. Like, in the UK, like, we all know that. And um, I, I, I actually wanted to ask you, like, about your media. Because I just seem, like, I mean, the media is horrible everywhere. And the United States is no exception. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm not criticizing the media in Britain, but I do feel like there's just, it's like, there's just, um, I don't know, like, they seem like, I don't know what the word is, like, they'll get a story at any angle. Yeah, so the, the media 
um, here can be quite corrupt. I'm sure there's some in America where um, they support a certain political Definitely. party. So the focus Definitely. will be either bringing that political party up or if they don't support that political party, then they're sort of bringing the negative stories about that party. Um, and also, like you said, just anything for a story. Um, there's certain um, news sites in the UK um, you read the title and you're like crikey and then you read the article and you're like that's nothing like <laughs> kind of um definitely yeah so I mean I think that honestly I think that's everywhere like I can't even say that's anywhere like that's the same in the United States and it's tough because I feel like it caused that in itself causes anxiety in people I mean yeah there's some scaremongering on um sort of the media tries to scaremonger you sometimes um but equally at the moment I think they're being quite factual about um the you know COVID um the media actually said quite a long time ago there would be that sort of um second lockdown coming or that second peak and now our government are only just saying yeah we think there might be a second peak after saying you know there won't be yeah, I, uh, it's like that. It's, it's crazy. Like, I, I don't even know. I mean, the handling of COVID, I don't know how it was for you guys. Did you guys feel like your, um, like your, did you feel like your government was helping? I don't know how much you want to speak to this. You don't have to, but did you feel like it was handled in the right way or? Um, I think it took them a long time to start handling it. So, um, there was a, I think it took quite a few deaths before they took any action. Um, mm. When they did, I think the original lockdown was um, really good. Um, I think loads of people abide by kind of only going out for one type of exercise a day, only going to a shop maybe once a week. Um, but at that time, I don't think masks were... Um, yeah, the government said that masks don't actually help you. So, there, you know... We've only just had that kind of um, rule come in where you need to wear masks if you're indoor, like in a shopping or, you know, um, going to the cinema or something. But our government said two months ago that there's no benefit to wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah. um, so we had a really good lockdown, really strict. Um, and then um, one of the... Um, and I think he was an MP, um, Dominic Cummings, uh, had COVID and he went to his parents' house, which obviously at that time we were not allowed to um, travel to see family or anything. Um, and when he felt better, he drove to a castle to check if his eyesight was still working, which isn't really legal anyway, except especially when we're in a COVID crisis and we're not meant to be going to tourist attractions. Wow. Um, so now people don't want to follow the rules. Uh, the people that set the examples can't follow them. So why should they? I think it's sort of the issue. Um, it doesn't feel safe, I'd say. And knowing that the figures are rising as well, I mean, that's... Definitely. It's so it, there's parallels between the UK and um and the US are just even now like every so the last interview I did with someone from the UK they talked about um 
how like Brexit was around the time that Trump was elected and how similar those things were. And the way of handling COVID is exactly the same. It's like they've waited way too long. We've got conflicted information on what's right and what's wrong. Um, we see our politicians doing a lot of things they're not supposed to. And one of them was wearing a mask. They visited a hospital and the vice president didn't wear a mask. And he just said that he got tested every day, so he didn't need to. Like, it's just absolutely ridiculous things. Um, and it's sad because that is when you see a population so divided and so confused and so frankly, angry, because they're just like, we don't know what to do. And we don't know what the right thing is. And he is not wearing a mask in here. I have a chronic illness. So for you with chronic illness, like that's even more of an anxiety provoking thing. Um, so that's hard. So I sh um, we had shielding over here. So those with um, kind of chronic conditions had to stay indoors for 12 weeks. Um, so I got a letter from um, the NHS, so our um, health service, to say that I was included in that. So I had to shield for <gasps> 12 weeks. Uh, you weren't even meant to go out for a walk. Uh, you couldn't go out to do shopping, sort of, you know, you literally had to be within your house or garden. Um, and that impact on my mental health was huge. Huge. Um, Has to be. Yeah is you know part of kind of your mental health you feel so isolated at the best of times let alone when you are physically having to isolate uh yeah it was a horrific time and I got jealous at my partner being able to go out and do a food shop which normally I'd be begging <laughs> I know so <gasps> I know. So how? Wow. So twelve weeks, and then so you did that. So that's a di so that's different from in the United States because, like, we don't have we don't have universal health, so no. we would never get a letter like that. Um, based on the reactions of people who didn't get any letter and were just advised to stay home, and that we have people protesting about that. Our country is insane. Um, <laughs> but like, it's just to me. Um, uh, yeah, I, like, did you stay? So you stayed the 12? I've never heard of that. So thanks for sharing that with me. I, my mind is blown. I imagine that would be very hard. I would have a very hard time getting that letter. So uh, yeah, like, how, how did you manage it? Did you feel like? Well, I broke down when I read the letter. Um, the letter was quite in depth. Um, we didn't, I didn't follow all of the rules in the letter. Some of it was like, try and stay in a separate room to the rest of your family oh, which God. is with a two-year-old um <laughs> yeah you know use different bathrooms um don't use the same kitchen equipment um so I did obviously um stay with my family I didn't go into a separate room and I did break the rules and go for a walk a day but I would go either really early or really late to reduce the amount of people um I saw so I think for me walking was kind of going to that one walk with my highlights at times um, yeah <laughs> it was so hard and so isolating and then um got out of shielding you know went crazy for two weeks and then I had to self-isolate for a further two weeks because I was going in for an operation so um 
that was kind of a new rule brought in was um you had to then if you have a hospital treatment during the covid pandemic you have to self-isolate for two weeks prior to going in what uh, yes yeah, so <laughs> i think i did about four, 14 weeks kind of with a break of um shielding and then i stayed um had a complication with my operation so i stayed five nights in a hospital and the you know i'm still recovering from that the mental impact from that um having to wear a mask when you're struggling to breathe you know in a hospital and um it's it's ridiculous it's a lot and then the fear of covid any on top of it like (laughs) let's just be honest here you know yeah so i was in a room where um luckily it was only two of us um at the start and we had both been covid tested and then another woman came in quite near the end of my stay and um she said can i take my mask off and the woman said no you've not been covid tested yet so you have to wear your mask and i'm there thinking this woman's next to me she's not been covid tested i'm already recovering from two operations within 24 hours you know an infection everything like that i don't know how my body would cope if i caught covid (laughs) i know wow so you've been through so much thank you for sharing all of that with me um wow i just feel like it's hard because when you have like um i don't know like fibromyalgia is that you that's one of them right so I, i just feel like then you when you get stressed like that adds to the the episodes that you have with that so it's like what came first like is it the anxiety or is it the pain or is it the pain causing the anxiety or the anxiety causing the pain um in itself and then now you just i don't know so what so when you're in the hospital so when that happened and and you're worried about that with uh, somebody sitting next to you and you don't know what could happen if you contract covid like do you just try to calm yourself down? Like, do you just try to like, what, what do you do in those moments? It was so hard. Um, I actually had a really bad panic attack in the hospital, um, you know, and it, and it's a busy time for the NHS. You know, they, they've got, they're understaffed and probably the amount of patients increased with the pandemic. And they've got to, unless they're, physically treating you they're also meant to maintain their distance so there wasn't that level of comfort or anything like that and having sort of a panic attack stuck on my hospital bed you know unable to move because I'm still really poorly that was frightening and and I I I did eventually get over that obviously but I think there's still those mental scars yeah well it sounds like you've had a year and i i don't know it sounds like the kind of year that like takes years to kind of process um i for me i've had years like that you know where it's like you're at some point you're just there's not really time to process yet and then you hope that there will be time in the future to kind of like unpack it because that sounds pretty traumatizing yeah i think this year probably for everybody is a hard year let alone for people with um mental health illnesses because it's a struggle and people having to live alone or you know not be able to see their family or friends or 
attend counselling sessions or mm -hmm. doctor appointments and all those things really have an impact. Yes. For me has been uh, difficult uh, because it is like, all day Monica show, all day in my head. Like I work from home, but I have a very monotonous job. So it's just very, very like, and it, I think it's made me stronger. I hope that, um, I hope that it's going to make me stronger on the other end because it gives me more time to be like, okay, why is your brain doing that? Like, why is that? But very, a lot of loneliness. And I know that there are people out there that feel lonely. Like it is so difficult, but um, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I actually, so I have one more question for you. And if you then wanted to ask me a question, you can feel free. Um, but I wanted to ask you like daughter, right? You have a daughter. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I just wanted to, I was wondering if there was just anything, if there was something in the world that you wanted to tell her, like just something that you maybe thought would think is helpful for her or like some message that you really just want her to have. Like, is there anything like that? Yeah, I think I don't want her to have the societal pressures there are. I mean, I want her to be as carefree for as long as possible. Um, I don't want her to sort of feel she has to conform to, a, a you know, a niche or a certain type of group or a certain type of look or anything like that. I'd say just be yourself and just be confident in yourself. It's really cool. I love that. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Amy, do you have any questions for me? Well, firstly, I think you're amazing and so strong having, you know, um, kind of live by yourself during such a, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Time. But um, I guess what's kind of like the mental health services like in America? Sure. So, yeah, um, we... It's so that we're really dealing with some true issues in the in the U.S. I'm sure that the world I know the world knows, um, but you know we have the racial injustices. Um, we have a lot of uh, class structure issues where we have people on top making a lot of money and people on bottom not making any, um, and then we have a middle class that's really shrinking um, because of things like the housing market or um, not really as much that, but student loans is huge. Um, and so we have, the problem for us really is that we don't have uh, universal health care and it's something that people in politics fight about daily. Um, and I think we're all torn on what the solution is, but the sadness of it is the resources are available, but not everybody can afford them. Um, yeah. and you know, insurance will cover to a certain extent, but it's based on the insurance, how much they're going to cover, who they're going to cover. And, um, you know, a lot of like specialized therapists, if you have like a specific issue, you're going to be paying like 150 a session and you won't get covered by insurance. Like nobody can do that. If it is covered by insurance, it's going to be 15 to $25 a month, which is great if you can afford that. But like you can't, not everyone can afford that. So um, I've talked to people on the show who are like, you know, mental, like health services would be a luxury for me. Um, yeah. I, I've been fortunate enough that I do have insurance that covers it. So I have been fortunate enough to have been able to get the help that I need. 
Um, I think that the resources are available. I think it's unfair that not everybody seems to be able to afford them. Yeah. What about for you guys, though? Because that's an interesting question. I'm also interested in that. Yeah, I mean, we obviously kind of reflect some of the um, racism issues in the world. I mean, the Black Lives Matter movement here is growing strong, which is great. Um, Wow, that's cool. There's inequality and something needs to be done. Um, But I think... I'm lucky and really privileged for many aspects of my life. And one of them is through work. I have private health insurance. So um, I'm lucky that I get to see people. And um, currently they are covering some of my um, conditions. But um, here, if it's a like a kind of chronic illness that's really long term and kind of things like that then they won't necessarily cover it so for my hypermobility where I need um sort of physiotherapy that's not covered because I will never be kind of cured if that's the right term um and again so they do cover psychiatry sessions but um that's very limited um so it's quite a worry will they keep covering it or will it just suddenly stop and I won't have any support at all and I guess for people that only have the NHS is great and we're in a better position than people that have to constantly pay for their health care but not enough money goes into the NHS so kind of getting the right treatment is very hard and that's to no fault of you know the NHS workers or the because they do a fabulous job on the ground but it's you know the higher up people that probably have for private health care right that don't see that process and so it is really difficult for people in those positions I think not from my personal experience but looking at other people's kind of mental health struggles here it is very very hard for them to receive help um especially during a crisis which is you know the scariest moment possible so yeah we kind of reflect the issues that you have in America yeah I I guess I so I didn't know that you could so you have the NHS and that is just that's kind of like your universal like everybody can get that um but then you also have private too yeah so um obviously everyone in the UK has the NHS goodness um but there are some private healthcare um insurers and often they are just nhs consultants and doctors but obviously they get paid a bit more to do some side work for private health so we are lucky that there is that and it you know you kind of get that um vip disney experience where you don't have to be in the queue with everybody you're dates come a bit faster for appointments etc but obviously the strain on the NHS is is um kind of really big and there has there was debate about almost scrapping the NHS and going to an American styled kind of health service and and that that's scary for us I would say (laughs) 
I would say, I don't, I, yeah, our healthcare over here is wild. And, um, you know, I, there's a lot of people who are in debt just because they've gotten sick and it's so sad. It's like the saddest thing in the world, like that you can get sick. And if you don't have the coverage, then a trip to the hospital, like the numbers are insane. Um, it's sad. It's like really sad. And it's crazy. Like I, there are just so many parallels between like UK and US. Like, and every time I have these conversations, I feel like I spot more of them. And not just because your president and our my prime minister looks the same with their. <laughs> I know. I've noticed that. <laughs> I know. I noticed that, and I. Uh, Oh, God, it's just, it's crazy. And oh, can I ask, I, you don't have to speak to this, but I have to say another big UK like story is JK Rowling um, is causing quite the controversy. Um, do you know anything about that? Um, so is this around her comment on periods and um, women? Is that... I think so. Yeah. Like there's just some, like there, I read into the comments that there's a lot of like transphobe kind of yeah. stuff. And, um, and I don't know, but it seems like people are PO'd. I don't know. Definitely. I think um, a lot of people are outraged and shocked. Um, but it's kind of crazy how much it kind of, everything just dies down really quickly. I think media control or what, Ever, you know and so that's no longer being discussed over here people probably got angry over twitter and then it was like oh she's released a new book or something and and you know and it's like this is a massive issue and these things need to be discussed and yeah need to be given to all these issues and where there is inequality and things like that and the issue is we're so good at just covering them up or just giving them five minutes and and never you know keeping it on for long enough that it gets to parliament or it gets to a place where change can be made mm -hmm. well i mean it sounds a lot like they're saying hey just have a cup of tea and get over <laughs> it so you know um but i think that you speaking to this and you uh you know speaking to me about all of this today has been absolutely wonderful and i just my dream is that more conversations like this continue to happen because I think it is important for us to get on, um, you know, to have conversations with other people and be like, hey, like, what's your experience like? And how is there any way we can see this being better? Um, yeah. I think it's great being able to uh, talk to each other and talk to other people with kind of the same sort of experiences, but different kind of from different areas and, you know, mm -hmm you know what's happening over here um, and it's crazy you know we might all be in the same sort of having the same sort of struggle but how it plays out or how it's treated or you know even from who you can talk to it's completely different and it, it's great to try and you know get everyone to be heard let's you know let's shout about it until it's heard it's a real issue let's you know let's get get on it absolutely I, I totally agree. Um, I'm so happy to have had the opportunity to speak with you. I think that's one of the best things about the time that we're living in. Um, and, you know, one of the best things about social media is that some things, sometimes it becomes possible. Um, do you have anything else you want to add or ask or talk about? 
And no, I just want to say, I hope I didn't come across too grumpy, too snappy, you know. (laughs) Nothing like that. The complete opposite. I loved every moment, really. Thank you. It's been really good. Isn't it amazing? Like, I'm talking to you and you're like across the world and it just feels the signal's so good. I know. It's crazy. It is crazy, I swear. And like, it's been mind blowing because... For me to reach out to just a random person, like that's not something I've really done before. Um, And so far I've had two really great conversations from it. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, thank you for inviting me on. It's been amazing. Yeah, Amy, definitely. I'll keep in touch with you. Um, And I'm gonna stop recording now, but I don't know. I just think that there's a lot of people that seem to feel pressured to be a certain kind of parent and All I see with Amy is just pure love and the fact that she wants her daughter to have such a great life and wants to be able to provide her those things is telling of itself. And I think that it made me take a step back and try to think of the people in my life who are doing the same. And I think that's when we start to build empathy is when we can look at somebody and see what they're going through and see what um, they do they have as a goals in their life and how we can um, be more understanding of them and really sit with them and listen to their struggle and say, hey, I hear you. Um, it sounds really hard, but you're doing a really great job. So if you know anyone in your life like that, maybe it's time to kind of give them a pat on the back and say, hey, we see you. We know it's difficult. We know you're trying your best and we're really grateful for that. Um, That's the kind of world I want to live in. So thank you for tuning in this week to How We Get By. Um, If you're interested in making a donation to the show, you can reach out to me via Instagram. My handle is howwegetby underscore, or you can send me an email at howwegetby.podcast at gmail.com. You could also send me recommendations for people who you think would be great for the show, or if you're interested in being interviewed, I'm always up to hear from you I always think the single best thing you can do for the show is just to share it either by word of mouth or with a friend on social media Um, getting these stories out there can help them be reached by the people who really need to hear them and you never quite know who actually needs to hear these stories and know that they're not alone If you want to give me a five-star review on Apple iTunes, that would be awesome as well. It kind of drives me up the charts, gets me a little bit more listenership, all that fun business stuff. If you want to drop me a line to my email and let me know if you like the show or you hate the show or what you think of the show, please do that because I frankly have no idea how people feel about the show and I am vulnerable. Lastly, the music at the beginning and the end of every episode is by Joe Burke. You can get his music on all streaming platforms. He has an album available on vinyl at local record stores if you're local to the Scranton area. If not, check out his stuff online. Um, Definitely won't be disappointed. That's all I have for you. I hope that you have a beautiful week.